This is Inner Man Radio. Honest questions, biblical answers, and proof that anyone with a mic can have their own podcast. Mark, we've got a problem. We've got a problem with evil. With evil? Evil. Like, <laughs> cru- like Cruella Devil? Yeah, that something evil? like that. Something like that. So this week on Interman Radio, is that actually a song from the 101 Dalmatians? I don't think that one came from there. We're on the second in our apologetic series, really uh, answering questions that are asked about the existence of God. You know, And we're on kind of a path right now where we're saying, you know, if God exists, then what about this? And on the last episode, we talked about if God exists, then why does he allow pain and suffering? We, we tackled that. Yep, and, yep. and this time around, we're going to look at if God exists, then why is there evil? Or how can evil coexist with God? And no one seems to disagree that there is evil in the world. Although that's interesting that you'd say that. Because uh, really what we're looking at here, I'm going to rewind the tape a bit. Let's set the table first, okay? So there are a lot of people asking this question legitimately, and mm-hmm. they really want to know. Uh, and there are people who say, hey, I, really, if God is so loving and he's so powerful and all this, then why, does, why is there even evil in the first place? I mean, pain and suffering is one thing, but let's get to the root of it. Why is there evil? Right. Okay, well, that's legit. But let's, let's back up for a second and look at where that question comes from. And let's, let's take a look at maybe where it should come from. So uh, oftentimes, uh, a person asking that question, not always, but a person asking that would, would buy into maybe a Darwinian idea of how the universe is structured. So everything has a natural cause. Is that a fair statement, Mark? I think that's fair. Okay, not not always, but at times. The that... secular scientific world would say everything is the result of a prior natural cause. That's right. So if uh, if you if it's not programmed into you by your DNA, it's it's trained into you by your environment. So there's a, it's a natural cause of. So <clears throat> the problem with that view, and in asking this question, if you hold that view, is that evil exists outside of that kind of world. Well, evil exists in their world. What do you mean outside of their world? Well, what, what I'm saying is that a world where there's only the natural things, that everything is a natural cause and effect, uh, evil supersedes that. Like, for instance, a wolf that eats another wolf, that's not evil. That's just nature. That, that wolf is doing what he's programmed. That's hunger. Nature. Yeah. Right. So, uh, But when a person murders another person, we would say, well, that's evil. Right. Well, why is that if everything is just a product of the natural process, then why is there a morality or a virtue assigned to some behaviors if everything is just natural? So really, the the other view of the universe is, is that, well, no, not everything is just a product of natural processes. There are things that exist that are outside the natural realm. They're supernatural. And so when a person is coming at it from a naturalistic mindset, but they're asking a supernatural question. Why does God allow evil? There's a bit of a conflict there. There is. There's an incongruency. If um, if I were, and it's not the action so much as it is the label that they attach to it. For example, if I were to eat you, if, <laughs> if I were to if I were to kill you and eat you, yeah. Um, is it the action? I mean, the, the wolf could do the same thing, uh-huh. but it would be wrong for me. That's a value judgment. 
evil is a value judgment less than it is a behavior in some cases. But people do recognize, whether they want to or not, in most cases, that evil is a real thing, that evil is it, it, it's in the world. Right. Otherwise, they can't raise this objection. If there is evil, well, how can there be a God who really loves us? Which leads us to two problems. And these problems, it's important that we identify them because so many of these questions that are that are raised as objections to Christianity, and which you're going to run into all the time, are based on one of these two issues. And a lot of them are kind of baked into the questions or objections that are that are brought to the table. The first is we we add a maybe a self-defeating proposition and we accept it as a premise. What that means is, can God build a wall? So tall, you guys can finish the sentence, right? (laughs) That he can't tear it down. Right. Okay. So how are you supposed to answer that? I think think it's actually he can't leap over it. He can't leap over it? Yeah, it would be so strong that he can't tear it down. That he can't tear it. So so strong, strong. he can't. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, then I don't have an answer for that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Could God build a wall so strong he couldn't tear it down? So, of course, whichever way you answer... Yeah. The answer is no, God couldn't. And therefore, God is not <laughs> all powerful. Right. And so see, your freshman idea of God is is so is so puny and uh and so primitive that uh how would you expect someone as enlightened as myself to believe in that? Right. And and that's the kind of condescension that comes to see we've got you. But the problem is <clears throat> what they've done in the premise is they've assumed that God is contrary to his own nature. Hebrews chapter 6 says that it's impossible for God to lie. Now, does that mean God lacks the ability to speak? Certainly not. If he has the ability to speak, does he also have the ability, Could he? does he have the power to lie? And the answer is, of course he does. He has the ability. He has the power. Yes. It- it's it's not about power it's about principle it is yeah it's about character right and see for god to lie would be a violation of his own character he would no longer be the god he claims to be right so so to say can god if god were really all powerful god could lie well that's false because he would no longer be the god that he claims to be the same thing is true when there's kind of this this um this false um conflict that's that's built in to another type of question, when we say, I can't believe in a God who would, and you fill can in fill the in the blank here, or, <clears throat> you know, if evil exists, then God can't exist. Why do we draw that conclusion? Where, where does that come? Where is that written that God, in order for him to exist, must adhere to what we've agreed as a society must be his characteristics? Right. Where did that agreement come from? Where did the idea of what how a God should be come from in the first place. Really, if we're going to look at this, we can't say he came from Greek mythology, that idea of what God should be. That idea didn't I mean, come from Greek mythology. No, it, it didn't come from it didn't come from a Hindu God, an idea no. of a Hindu God, because typically our idea of what a God should be really comes from the Judeo-Christian model of describing God. It, it only works. You can only ask that question if God's all loving, powerful, and knowing. You, you can only ask the what-ifs about that kind of God, if you start with the Judeo-Christian God. Right. So where'd we get the idea that that's how God needs to be? Why Why can't God 
allow evil? Why can't God laugh? Why can't God just laugh when evil happens <laughs> and still be God? But what we've done is we've taken as society, we've said, well, a God must adhere to these principles for us to believe in him. And a lot of those kinds of presuppositions are built into those questions. And when people ask them, we have to stop and first really consider the question and what kind of premises are built into that. If good exists, then does that mean God also has to exist? Yeah. No, let's, let's flip, flip the that coin. coin. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> if we could say that if there's evil, then God can't be. Is the reverse of that true, that if there is good, then God must exist? Yes. That, that, seems, that seems reasonable. That's not the question that often is asked, though, because it doesn't serve the purpose of the one asking it. By the way, <clears throat> if, if you've ever wanted Interman Radio listeners to, to speak in tongues, listen up, gibberish is for you. You've seen people gyrating in all kinds of different languages, really filled with the Spirit. I blew that entirely. You were thinking of something else, weren't you, man? No, I wasn't. No, you were right on. You were right on the money. Oh, bummer. Hey, if you've ever wanted to speak in tongues, listen up. Gibberish is for you. You've seen people gyrating in all kinds of different languages, really filled with the Spirit, and you just haven't been able to join in until now. Gibberish, that's G-I-B-R-I-S-H, is the new Don't and you hey, easy... Don't Wait. Gibberish, the G would have a more guttural sound, like golf or gobbledygook. Yeah, it's spelled with G. It's gibberish. It's the new easy way to learn your spirit language that helps you learn the tongues of angels the same way you learned your first language through know, baby talk and babble. Ah, if it's spelled with a G, wouldn't the, the you'd spell the G g- gibberish like gibberish? That, that's just nonsense. Wait, but you're, you're overthinking. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just a name. It doesn't have to make sense. Besides, it feels better. It feels it feels right. It feels right with a G. So blowing this read. <laughs> I'm so blowing. Oh, let's move on to the testimonial. Mike and Wassian writes Before I found <laughs> gibberish, I felt awkward visiting my Pentecostal friends. Bet you did. <laughs> I knew there was more of God I just wasn't getting. Now I'm praising God without thinking at all. Thanks, gibberish. Usually, language learning is slow and monotonous with lots of memorization, rules, and drills, not gibberish because only gibberish uses new angelic immersion technology. Yeah, Matt in Virginia says, using the Izzy gibberish setup guide, I was able to link all my smart devices. Now I'm practicing my spirit language on my phone, watch, refrigerator, backup camera, and TV. Try gibberish today and get two free months subscription to the online gibberish chat room and encourage other gibberish speakers without the stifling formality of a translator. Yeah, it's just I think uh, a J would have been more appropriate. It may have been. We'll, we'll talk to their marketing people, I guess. <clears throat> you think they're going to pay us for that, read? <laughs> they pay us a compliment or a visit, one or the other. Without good, there might be evil in the world, but it wouldn't have the label of evil. Good and evil both could exist, but we wouldn't know which is which unless we assume that there's something outside the natural world. The best way I can describe that is like, let's say we use a computer system, right? Right. And Wait, if, be, before we hop into the computer system, though, Mark, I'm sorry. The, and this, is this like the yin-yang symbol? You know, like, a, there has to be evil for good, and there has to be... A little bit of good and all the evil, right. and a little bit of evil and all the good. Or is this like the Force, you know, where the, you've got to have, when oh, you have yeah, the, yeah. the rise of the Sith, you've got the rise of the Jedi, and they balance you, so you Don't can't have one without the other? go to the, the dark side. Is that, what, is that what you're talking about? Because when people hear you say, well, in order for there to be good, there has to be evil, I mean, that might be what popping up 
in in people's minds. Well, I suppose that's a reasonable question. <clears throat> he supposes that's a reasonable I question. Suppose. No, that is a very reasonable question, <laughs> Mark. But if you have the potential to do one, then you must also have the potential to do the other. I see. To, to choose one is what makes <clears throat> that thing evil or that thing good because it's been chosen. If there's no choice involved, then like the wolf, we would say, well, it just is. It just is. And the computer system is a good illustration of that. If we were to ask, you know, Siri or some other artificial person, if we were to, if we were to ask them, is honesty good? How do they answer that question? Such a lonely word. <laughs> if, if we ask them, if we ask them, is it wrong to lie? If we ask them, you know, if we pose those questions to any computer system, it doesn't matter what the answer is because we don't believe it either way. Why? Because it has no authority. Okay. There's, we believe them for everything else, though. I mean, hey, <laughs> Siri, you know, what's the, what's the closest pizza joint? For directions, maybe. But whatever information is spit out is simply the natural result of all of the information that's, that's been, been put, in. put in. That's right. It's a perfect example of a closed natural system. Everything that it puts out is simply the natural effect of a previous cause that's been input into that system. So if, you know, I, I don't know how those work, if, <clears throat> if the, the balance of, of, uh, of information says that honesty is good, maybe the system answers back and says, yes, honesty is good. Mm -hmm. But it, the answer doesn't matter because we can't and don't place any confidence in those answers about what is, what is value judgments, whether it's good or bad. We don't place any any authority in a computer system to answer questions like that because it never gets above the natural world. That's and so, <clears throat> and so the answer is irrelevant. There's, it doesn't matter what the answer is. We wouldn't trust it in in any case. Right. Okay. So a person a person who's um, who does kills another person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we would call that evil because we believe that person had a choice. You did not have to kill, you know, you didn't have to kill that person. You know, yeah, Martin, in fact, and oftentimes that's even used as justification for, well, I had no choice. I right. had to kill him. Well, okay, and in right? those cases, yeah, in those cases we say, oh, well, maybe it wasn't evil, you know, because maybe it was right. self-defense. I had no choice. Right, okay. Well, I mean... That's a different kind of I had no choice. That's I mean, what like, I would say. You still had a choice. You just, if you wanted to live, you had no choice. Right, but see right. how it's used as justification. If, if some, you know, why did you, why did you shoot him? I had no choice. Okay. Right? Yeah. And that, and that in all, you know, in our conversation, we understand that that means it was not evil because I had no choice. Right. But the, uh, if somebody chooses to do that, then we place the we place the label on that 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 thing is evil. So the choice is really the crux of the issue for determining whether or not an action is evil or whether or not an action is good. Did they choose to do good or were they forced into doing that thing? Right. Is it good that that government takes from one to give to another? Against his own will. I'm sorry. Did I just oh, go man. political? Yeah. See, that's that's not charity. Charity is if I decide, if I choose. It's not somebody else saying I'm going to choose it for you. At the end of a barrel. At the, yeah, that's not a choice. So it's not good. In the same way, 
if you if choice is going to be maintained or preserved, then good and evil must also. You can't have choice and not have the potential to do evil. Right. So God could lock us into jail cells or, you know, padded cells and put yeah. straitjackets on us and not allow anyone to do evil. Because to evil, you can't have evil without people being able to act evil. I mean, evil doesn't evil is carried out through actions, through people's actions. Right. So God could he could he could blunt that by saying, Well, I'm just not gonna allow people to do evil things. Would we say that's a loving God who does not give us choice? Who who locks us in a cell? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? Or, where or turns our brain off to where we can't we can't think through things. Everything's just instinct, and we're not able to choose things. Would would we say that that is a loving God? Right, right. <clears throat> and of course, no one would. The very people who say you know God has to remove evil, but they're unwilling to remove choice. That right. and you can't have one. You can't have choice without also having the potential uh, to do evil. And if God removes the opportunity for one, for evil, then choice also is removed. Sometimes, you know, we think if evil were removed, then the world would be a perfect place. Imagine in, in, all the people. I hear music. But the world has a purpose, and that purpose is really to help the church to grow. It's to help people mature spiritually. Hebrews chapter 5 says that, you know, a mature person spiritually has learned to refuse evil and choose good. Train their senses. Yeah. Well, how can you train their senses if there's no evil? Right. But, uh, okay, a person who's not a Christian, maybe doesn't attend any kind of church, they might hear that and say, okay, well, that's that works great for those who go to church, like, hey, I'm going to go to church and learn how to get my senses trained to between good and evil. I don't care. <laughs> right. like, who cares? I mean, the average guy listening might say, well, that's not me. And that's not really my goal in life is to have my senses trained between good and evil. Why would I? Uh, they care very much uh, whether or not people around them are choosing good instead of choosing evil. I don't personally want, no matter who I am, I don't want people to choose evil around me. And and at that point, all of my naturalistic worldview uh -huh. just evaporates if right. you're going to do me wrong. Because now it's evil. Exactly. Right. It's evil it's if just, you do it to me. It just isn't. And you when should I, be put in jail for when that. When I do it, though, it's not evil or good. It just is what it is. It's just instinct, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. But you can't, you can't do this. They're very concerned about that. In fact, whether they will put it in these terms or not, you know, even the naturalist wants people to treat them in the way they themselves want to be treated. That is so fascinating you said because I read an article recently where there was a there was a transcript of an interview that a journalist from PBS had with Richard Dawkins and he they were talking about a Darwinian world and how dark a Darwinian world really is, a world where everything is just naturalistic. There is no there is no supernatural, there is no good or evil force. And and uh, and Richard Dawkins himself, probably the the most vocal of all the naturalistic new atheists out there, he said that it would behoove us to live as if there were something that was good and evil because we all want to be treated. He, in other words, we don't want to live in a Darwinian world. No, that's exactly what Dawkins accuses the Christian worldview of doing is 
believing in something which doesn't exist for its own benefit. And yet, that's precisely what Dawkins is suggesting, is that even though, no, there's no, there's no God, but you should live as though there is. There's no morality, but you should live as though there was. That's, I think, terribly, terribly incongruous and it's unforgivable, I think. Yeah, and just so that uh, we're not, we want to be fair here, so I'll link the uh, article in the show notes if anybody wants to read that. The Bible talks about the question of, why not just remove evil? I mean, yeah. It, it actually deals with that directly. Jesus tells this parable in Matthew 13 about a guy who sows good seed in his field, and then while he's gone away, an enemy comes and sows tares, which is a biblical word for weeds, right? And so he sows these tares in the field, and then as, the, as they begin to come up, the, uh, the servants go out and they say, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? And he says, yes. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, how does it have tares? And he says, ah, oh, mm-hmm. an evil one has done this. Right. And so they ask this same question that people are posing to God. They say, do you want us then to go and root them up? You want us to go pull out those evil ones right now? Do you want us to just pull them out of the ground and be done with it. Sounds great. Doesn't it? Yeah. It would be a perfect world. And he says, no. Hmm. He says, no, don't do that. Why? He says, lest while you are pulling out the tares, you will uproot the wheat along with them. He says, don't do that. Allow them both to grow together until the harvest. And then, he says, we'll sort it out. He says, you've got to leave evil in the world Otherwise, you're going to uproot what is good. If we take evil out of the world, people don't have the opportunity to learn to choose what is good. If we remove all those who do evil, right? what about those guys who might have turned around later on right. as they grew to maturity? Right. Would they have learned from their previous mistakes through the mechanism of pain and suffering? Would they have learned that this is that this is a different thing. It's for the sake of those who are good that God allows evil to exist in the world. One final thought before we end today on Interman Radio <clears throat> is, you know, it's odd to me, and I think ironic, that mankind almost demands naturally from a God as is described by the Bible, from a God that is all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful, merciful, kind, patient, they demand an existence without pain, without suffering, without death, without disease, without crying, without tears, without evil. And that's precisely what God wants to give them. It's exactly what God says is his plan to provide mankind. But not in this life, in the next. The very thing that they demand of God is precisely what God wants nothing more than to give them which is an existence with him in perfect harmony, where all of those things, the former things, he says, crying, sickness, and pain, all of those things are removed. It's just that they mix up whether the function of this life with the next life. This life is where we get to decide by choice whether or not that's really the existence that we want, whether or not we really do want to choose good. And so by, by demanding that of God in this life, they're unwilling to make the choices that are presented to them here. And we'll see you next time on Interman Radio. Radio.